You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Good morning. Mahagazamas. That's Japanese for good morning. Mike's son knows quite a bit of Japanese. <laughs> Konnichiwa. <laughs> um, turn to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, where we've been at. I saw something this morning while you're turning there that I want to read. I happened to catch this this morning as I was scanning the news. This came from, uh, this kind of fits with what we're talking about uh, the past few weeks about Satan and the deception and the world and how he tried to get uh, those that didn't want the church at Thessalonica to grow to deceive them and things, but that's what the Pope said. Typically, I wouldn't read something from the Pope, but it uh, um, kind of fits. The Pope said that the Lord asks us to be watchful in order not to enter into temptation. This is why Christians have to be awake, watchful, and careful like a sentinel. Jesus was not narrating a parable, but was stating a truth. In effect, when the unclean spirit comes out of a man, he roams about in abandoned places looking for refuge and not finding any, decides to return to where he came from, where the, where the freed man lives. Hence, the demon decides to bring in seven other spirits worse than him. Pope Francis emphasized the word worse, saying it has much force in the passage because the demons enter quietly. The devil slowly changes our criteria to lead us to worldliness. It camouflages our way of acting, which we hardly notice. And so the man freed from the demon becomes a bad man, a man burdened by worldliness. That's exactly what the devil wants, worldliness, the Pope stressed. It means stopping for a while to examine my life, whether I am a Christian, whether I educate my children, whether my life is Christian or worldly. And one understands this, as Paul points out, by looking at Christ crucified. One understands where worldliness lies and is destroyed before the Lord's cross. The cross saves us from the charms and seductions that lead us to worldliness. That's what the Pope said. There's a little bit more, but, you know, that... The Pope, just like Satan, kind of mixes the truth with lies. And this Pope is a, um, he's a New World Order guy. Uh, he believes in open borders, uh, especially in the United States. Um, and even within the Catholic Church, there's this rampant pedophilia going on that... Uh, they mask and move uh, priests around and things to, to protect them from this. But, uh, you know, Satan is a deceiver. 
And this Pope is deceived. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind and be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us as the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God. For what is worship? So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdest that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. We'll end there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we have in your word as we... Uh, look into it, and as we look at the deceptions that uh, are masked, that we need to be aware of, Satan is a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour. And we need to be aware of the things that are out there, Lord, that can get us off um, our focus on you. And uh, Lord, help us to understand these things. And be with us this morning. Lord, get me out of the way so that you can provide uh, uh, teachings that we can apply to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, one other thing. Uh, there was this uh, evangelical meeting that took place. I, I think it was, I can't remember where. But uh, Mr. Trump, President Trump, was invited to it. And he said the one thing that... Uh, kind of went viral in that we are not to worship government, but we are to worship God. And this Pope wants us to worship government. So, um, some truth. Um, it's interesting. Um, we've learned that uh, President Trump has surrounded himself with uh, uh, good Christian men, but he still has... Uh, some cleaning out to do of his own, as we all do. Amen? So, uh, last week we talked about the Thessalonican church and how it was deceived. Um, there was uh, this misconception about the rapture, and they had uh, thought to themselves that the rapture had happened um, because of the intense persecution that this church was under and that they were experiencing, and they probably felt that they were going through the tribulation. 
So Paul tries to encourage the church in chapter 1 that we as a church should count persecution as a blessing and um, that uh, uh, for the sake of the gospel, you know, persecution will come. It will come. Now Satan is the ruler of this air as we're going to kind of talk about at the end of this, but uh, um, he doesn't want the gospel to go out. Uh, Paul also explains that uh, one day God will recompense evil upon those that are causing the trouble for the church, so they need to be encouraged in that. And he also encourages the church to endure. Uh, Paul also wants them to understand that even though the persecution is relentless, and intense. This is an opportunity to use to help the brethren, to help those that are weak, to help the milk drinkers, those that are strong in the faith. Um, take this as an opportunity, as a teaching opportunity. Um, he also had to deal with the false teaching that was supported by what we kind of surmise are forged documents that misrepresented Paul's teachings. Paul tells them that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as the day of Christ is at hand. There's going to be a lot of false teaching out there. There's going to be a lot of um, uh, teaching that someone may misconstrue on purpose, misconstrue what, what Paul says or what the gospel says, just like this thing from the Pope, um, to get them off their focus of what the gospel is really all about. They were so troubled uh, by uh, a lot of this that some of them just kind of gave up on life and the faith, and they just kind of checked out. Um, some of them may have just taken the easy way out. Instead of facing persecution, instead of enduring, instead of taking this as an opportunity to help one another, uh, it was just, just too much to handle. And uh, in chapter 3 of Second uh, Thessalonians, Paul exhorts them to, hey, look it, get back to work. Now, I never said, or Christ never said, that this was going to be easy. It would be a very difficult journey. But in the end, you will be rewarded. So, a lot of them had just stopped just working their jobs and took advantage of the church or um, just felt that because they're going through the tribulation, things will soon end. But uh, Paul, through this, brought them back. Uh, to Scripture and explaining to them that the rapture hadn't happened because there's two things necessary prior to the rapture, and that is um, the revealing of the man of sin or the Antichrist, and then there'll be a great falling away. And that great falling away is what we know to be an apostasy. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit here. Now we kind of finished with, uh, I had forgotten the chapter in John, but it was John chapter 18, 
where there was this discussion between Pilate and Jesus prior to Pilate just turning Jesus over to the Jews for, to be crucified. And I just want to read this one more time. Then Pilate entered, this is John chapter 18, starting at verse 33, if you want to turn there. Give you a minute. Now, I wrestled with this message last night because usually when it's my turn, I take some notes during the week and kind of put an outline together. And then before I go to bed, I kind of get everything together. And I really wrestled uh, with what to bring you this morning with the Lord and kind of I went through this ebb and flow with him to put together with what we have this morning. In John chapter 18, starting at verse 33, then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and this is the second time that Jesus has been brought before Pilate. And remember that Pilate's wife had warned him because in a dream, uh, she was, it was revealed to her that Jesus was an innocent man. So I'm sure that was weighing on him. And he never did ever trust the Jews. So he had this, this problem. And then he had Roman mythology in the back of his head. So he's wrestling with all these things as he's standing before the Son of God. And they have this, this short discussion. It says, Then Pilate entered into the kingdom hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, and he wants to know. I, I, I'm sure in his heart this is, this is something that he's really struggling with and he, and he wants to know. Aren't thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? So did you, did you figure this out all on your own? Or are you just repeating what others have told you? And it's kind of a warning to us that we really need to study scripture and we really need to understand things as we share the gospel. We need to have confidence in what we're talking about. Simply, we can't just repeat what people are telling us because we'll stumble and we'll get things confused in our mind. We simply can't repeat what, what pastor tells us you know, on, on Sundays and Wednesday nights and you know, what others do. We have to be sure ourselves. We have to have our confidence in what God teaches us through Scripture. We have to meditate on it, and we have to spend time on our own so that the Holy Spirit can teach us as well. You know, Paul spent a lot of time out in the desert with the Lord before he was released into ministry. And we can do that in and of ourselves because Satan is a deceiver. And if we're not confident in God's word, we're going to fail. We're going to stumble. We're going to get frustrated. People are going to be able to twist and turn what we say and we won't have an answer. So here, um, uh, Pilate and Jesus tells him, he says, "Did you? is this a thing of thyself or did others tell it of me. And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? 
So he's saying, hey, I wasn't brought up in this faith. I have no idea. And Jesus answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? So the very religion that you're involved with, the leaders of that have turned you over to be crucified. So what's going on here? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews? But now is my kingdom not from hence. So he kind of hits Pilate in the face and says, Look it, whatever happens in this world, that's that's not where I'm from. I'm from a Another world. I'm from a world above. So, whatever you've learned down here from men, that's not, that's not who I am. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not as this world. My kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? So are you from like some faraway land where you're, where you're a king? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. You know, many times Jesus would say, those that have ears, let them hear. Those that have ears, let them hear. Okay? And what what Jesus is trying to say is, if you're really interested in understanding why you are here and the purpose of your life, you will pay attention to what I am telling you. Everybody's got ears and everybody hears, but does everybody understand? And he's trying to tell Pilate, look it, listen to what I'm telling you. Because I'm not from this world, I'm from above, and I speak the truth. For everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, totally confused, what is truth? He's got all this stuff he's trying to process in his head, and he just wants Jesus to tell him. He wants to be direct. And a lot of times, a lot of us are the same way. We just want to be told. But that's not what Jesus wants. Jesus wants a relationship. Okay? He doesn't just want us to be told something so that we can just walk about repeating it. Okay? He wants a relationship where all of us are, are 
interacting with him and growing and studying and meditating so that when Satan comes in and tries to deceive us, we're ready. We got our armor on. So Pilate says, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went, again, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But he turns them over to the Jews anyways. So the big question that Pilate didn't get an answer to, what is truth? And he struggled with what is truth. As a matter of fact, um, I think there's a lot of... Uh, historical references that after this Pilate basically became a drunkard and committed suicide. So, you know, all of us, I think, struggle and wrestle with the truth. And a lot of us do that before we come to salvation, right? Okay? And we get an answer to what the truth is and we accept that and we embrace that. We accept the gospel. But after that, Jesus wants us to live a life that's honoring and glorifying to him. And to stand up for the truth. Not just to accept it and take it in. But to stand up for him. Because this life is but a vapor, and as he tries to tell the um, Thessalonican church, is that persecution and suffering, you know, I know it's difficult as a human being, okay, to suffer like that, the mental strain of the mind, the physical abuse, some of them were probably thrown in prison, some of them were fired from their jobs, because they stood up for the truth. And what Jesus is saying, look it, this, it, it comes with this. And Paul's trying to tell the Thessalonican truth. To stand up for truth and be active in the truth, okay, these things are going to happen. And you have to be ready, you have to be prepared. Because Satan is going to try to deceive you. And you got to be ready. In verse 10, if we go back up to, to our reading, it says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. So Satan's deceptions get us away from a righteous perspective on life and somehow deceive us into an unrighteous perspective. In life. It's okay to have a drink every now and then. Everybody does it. No. It's okay to live with someone before you get married. It's all right. In them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth... They don't receive the truth. They don't bring it into their heart, mind, and soul. It's just a surface understanding that they might be saved. 
And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That they all might be damned who believed not the truth. The truth was standing right before Pilate and he couldn't bring himself to accept it. But that had, un, that had pleasure in unrighteousness. So here this is talking about the unsaved. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Man, time flies. <laughs> I know I drive past her crazy because a lot of times I go over. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. That's the same little saying that we read in this portion of scripture that we start out with where the great falling away. It's apostasy. It's those that accepted and embraced the truth. And then for whatever reason, they gave up on it. And became persecutors or became those that then went after those that believed in the truth. That's the apostasy. So those that accepted and embraced the truth in the beginning and started living it out and probably teaching it and living it, all of a sudden, for, for whatever reason, Satan got into their lives. He got that... Um, uh, blurred uh, vision of what the truth and what a lie is and they turned away and became persecutors of the faith. That's the apostasy that they're talking about here. Giving heed to seducing or deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared, with a hot iron. That's apostasy. Satan has a twofold mission. And he does it very well. First is to prevent people from getting saved. And then, secondly, those of us that get saved, his mission is to ruin our testimony. And he does this through deception by blurring the lines between truth and lies. And we've got to be ready for it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 1, I'm going to just kind of lead this into some things that are going on today. And I'm not going to be able to get into everything uh, this morning. Uh, next week we have... Uh, the Faith Promise Conference, and we'll have a speaker. But then the following week, uh, I'll have that last Sunday, and 
we'll kind of get into a little more detail. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. That's exactly what Jesus was trying to tell Pilate. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. So, let's kind of fast forward to what's going on today a little bit. I'm going to get into it uh, this morning with uh, five minutes I have left. And then uh, we'll get into a little more detail next week, or in two weeks. There is a system of government that is trying to be formulated and put forth. Um, And I know in Revelation it talks about this this ten-leader nation of which the Antichrist will pop out of. But um, possibly they may do it through this. I'm not sure, but this is what's going on. There's a development of what's called a technocracy. And this is a system of governance where decision makers are selected. They're not voted on like we would consider our republic that represent us. They're simply chosen. On the basis of technical knowledge... And this is kind of what's referred to as the new society. And you can read about it. I'm just laying this out to you this morning. Certainly there's been a lot of discussion about how the one world government will unfold along with this one world religion and how it will be controlled. So this technocracy that's been talked about and kicked around and kind of started to be developed through... Uh, one of the seats of Satan called the United Nations. So I want to talk about two things this morning, and then um, next week we'll get in, or in two weeks we'll get into a little detail. First, um, the Industrial Revolution. The world has gone through four different, what we can categorize as an Industrial Revolutions, And we're currently in the midst of the fourth one. First was in the late 18th and 19th century, which we call mechanization, where we now have machines that were substituted for labor, man doing work, and animals doing work. Then in the second industrial revolution in the late 19th, early 20th century, we had the introduction of mass production mass production, and assembly lines. Ford. In the third industrial revolution, in the mid-20th to late 20th, we began to automate, which then allowed for global uh, globalization of economies. So you don't need the know-how of a bunch of individuals to start putting stuff together. You simply can have Uh, automated equipment starting to put stuff together with low-cost labor. And in this fourth 
industrial evolution that we're starting to go through is the unfolding and the development of robotics. And a word I can't pronounce, robotic zolation. <laughs> and it's going to need some kind of supporting of IT structure for all this to happen. So that's the Industrial Revolution. Now to support that, communication is critical. And this all has to do with this IT structure to support uh, the robotics that are going to control our lives in the future. Now to support this structure, we've gone through uh, quite a bit of uh, communication iterations. And these are called what we call 1G, 2G, 3G, and 4G type communications. We're currently in the, in the 5G. In the, in the first G, we had analog signals. And these signals kind of had high peaks, and it was subject to other interferences. And I'm not a communication expert or electronic. Maybe Bill Walsh knows more about this than I do, but... You know, ever remember some of us, these big bulky phones that we had in cars where we tried to communicate with one another? Those had analog signals. Maybe Dale knows a little bit about this too. Then the late 19th and early 20th, we had the introduction of, oh, I'm sorry. And then uh, in the 1900s, we had 2G with digital encryption so that now these signals were a little shorter. So any interferences that took place in communication and static, the, the impact of that was greatly reduced, so you had better uh, communication, you could hear better, and that kind of thing. Um, part of 2G was then text messaging and also being able to send pictures. 3G, which was in the late 1990s, you had wider broadbands that developed that would allow for smartphone and modular modems with your laptops. And then 4G uh, in late 2008 where we now could have mobile web access, the World Wide Web. High speed definition TV, video conferencing, some of us are able to do that at our, at our jobs. Uh, I can, I, when I was up at uh, camp with the team boys, I had to have a conference call. So I had my laptop, and with my phone, I could access the internet, okay? I didn't have to have a password for the camp there. I could use my phone to access the internet so that I could visually see what was going on in the discussion, and then through my phone also talk to everyone through the phone. Now in the 5G revolution, um, we can now, they're working on these very fast communication transfers, like one gig per second within an office area, and then 10 megs per second globally. Extremely fast communication. This can't happen until they start putting low-flying satellites around all over the place which is currently in the works. All these cell towers that you see out here, those have all been sold off by the phone companies. They're obsolete. So between the fourth generation and this communication 
of 5G, we're going to have things that they're now working on, and I'm going to throw out some terminology that we'll, we'll talk about later, that Satan's going to be able to use to deceive us. AI, artificial intelligence, something called that they're starting to put together called a global brain, something called augmented reality. I have an app on my phone, we'll talk about it a little bit, where I can, in this church, I can start inputting things where I can see things that you can't see on this phone. Internet of Things, a lot of that is going on. A lot of the, your refrigerators and your dishwashers and things, someone can walk down the street that has the right device, can hear you, and download conversations that have been taking place because of the Internet of Things. Ubiquitous connectivity, kind of merging man and robots. Singularity and big data. This is all part of... Uh, the United Nations, 2030. And I've gone way over. If you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1 through verse 7, it talks about how um, Satan is the ruler of this air. So all this communication takes place around us in this first heaven, right? Satan right now is the ruler of that, and he's controlling that. Okay? But we have Jesus Christ, right? And we can fight that battle. Okay? And we've got to be aware of these tools of Satan because one of the things he's using this to do is to get to our youth. And we as parents and as older adults that are counseling our youth, we've got to make them aware of these things because they're very subtle and deceptive. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.